Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We have Drew, Matt, and Seth here, Misfit Athletics, giving you guys the 2016 regional event breakdown. We are going to cover both individual and team. And team. Wow. Excellent. Uh, We're not going to spend a ton of time getting into all the details. We're basically going to do an overview of the things we think could make the largest impact uh, if you're competing in one of these upcoming weekends or if you're a fan, kind of what to watch for as, as the athletes approach these different movements. Um, let's just dive right in. Unless you guys got something else you want to talk about. Good to go. Let's Good. do it. Good. Event one with the snatch. So they have to snatch. Well, how many total reps is it? It's 30 reps. 30 total reps. Yep. 18 in the first two bars, right? Yes. So how does somebody approach the snatch? And obviously we're going to have different styles of athletes that, um, you know, have different strengths or weaknesses. This is a pretty straightforward event. Test strength and conditioning. And you have to move big weights. So what do they do to start? I mean, what I look at in this event is that your pull is going to be definitely tested across 30 bars or 30 reps, or say, of those uh, the snatches. But what I'm looking for from someone early on is to save their pull. They can get the bar to the hip and kind of do more of the Metcon-style snatch where the bar gets to their hip and drop underneath it early on. They can save their pull for the bigger weights later on. Um, I think finding a good pace is important. You don't want to go bat out of hell if you're going to ruin your pull to start that workout. I think it's really easy to you know, get too jacked up start you know not moving correctly because you're rushing and then next thing you know oh four minutes is in you haven't finished that last rep of eight you know at, at 205 and next thing you know you're done so and athletes are finding out pretty quickly that the time goes by a lot faster than they thought one or two misses by rushing something and even if they thought they're at a good pace their time's gone and yeah, also a they're not small getting room to the for error. bar yeah what do you think it's one of those things where it's like twice as unfair to not be good at pulling because the people who are good at pulling, it's very natural for them to get to power position regardless of the weight. Whereas if you aren't a natural puller, you're going to overpull, you're not going to get there, which makes the lift harder. So the lift is easier for the puller, not only because they're stronger, but because they're naturally going to get back to those positions every time. They don't have that pre-fatigue. So from what I've seen, you know, we, we've seen plenty of athletes run through this, um, is just that that position where you pause them in power position and if you could just like if you if you mimicked a power position right now and you were a little forward if i could just pause and poke you back to here the lifts would all be made but they're being lost out in front because people are losing their scaps they're just they're trying they they feel the heavy weight off the floor in their first pull and they try to get a little aggressive just above the knee and they pay for it so it's really just about if you aren't one of the stronger athletes you have to get to power position every single rep. You have to. So it's, do you think it's, it's mandatory? Do you think missing a lift is going to be the detriment to the athlete that doesn't make it further on, or is it more of a conditioning thing as well? Or because you're talking about getting a power position, I feel like this. I feel like this event is like natural selection. Like it kind of, you're it's, right. It's like you attack it this way. You do touch and go. You're smaller, so maybe you go a little bit faster, but then you're going to pay for it, or you save yourself and hope that the adrenaline's there. Yeah, it's like one of those open workouts where there's no strategy. It's like, are you fit or not? Like this is, can you snatch and can you stay patient in the snatch once the weight gets heavier? Are you going to allow your pre fatigue to dictate how you move? So that's the trick. That's getting back to power position, being a controlled athlete, and sticking to your guns. How you move is how you're going to succeed. It reminds me a lot of the open workout with the the heavy cleans. As kind of it increased uh, weight, it decreased reps, and you found people that could easily hit the clean, but they couldn't get far enough in before the time expired. 
And we're going to have people that have that same issue where they hit 18 reps in the first two bars and maybe their weight wasn't that light, but now they're gassed going to 225. So if they didn't move fast enough and give themselves enough time to hit just six reps at 225, which should be, you know, a lot of guys can do that touch and go. A lot of guys going to regionals, but can they do it after 18 reps of pulling on the bar, heart jacked up, you know, panicking, rushing, probably missing power position because they're rushing lifts over and over again. Don't know what's going to happen. I think of it, just make sure you move with purpose every single time. You're getting back to your heels and extending vertically. If you can make yourself shuffle your feet laterally, always catch the bar without the step forward. Because what I see from a lot of athletes that are doing this is that you'll see that rep where they step forward, and all of a sudden that's just extra time under tension, extra movement they have to do to then reset and do it all over again. So moving with purpose, I think, is a big part of this thinking about how you move as you do it. I want to ask this before we move on to the next event. Why will Travis Williams be so successful here knowing that he is going to go out what I would call too fast, but it'll work for him, and knowing that he's going to go touch and go when I'm not going to recommend it to anybody else? Why is he still going to be successful? I mean, he's a, he a little crazy, first of all, but he's also a really good puller, which is a huge advent, you know, advantage in this workout. The better you are at pulling, the better you can do in this piece, personally. That's what I think. I don't think he allows that mentality of my pull is starting to go. I'm going to start moving differently to enter his head ever. I think he's going to get back to those positions. We see it time and time again. It's like he's going to fall apart in this next rep, right? Nope. What about the next one? Nope. What about the next one? And that's muscle memory because he does this over and over in training. You can pause his ridiculous position where his ass is straight up in the air, but then you can pause him again at a power position with that crazy look on his face. Bam, here, he's ready to make the lift again. So, Anything to add to the snatch? It's going to be exciting as hell. Warm up twice. Yeah. Warm up, cool down, warm up again. You don't want to not be primed ever, really. And then you don't want to be double primed when um, your heart's going like this because you're going to hit heavy snatches in event one. Yeah, not just warming up, not just warming up the lift, but your heart will get jacked up even as you're just standing there before you run to that first bar. So if you're not ready, you should be lubed up twice for show double lube. Cool. So polar opposite event two, strict Nate. Woohoo. Kind of crazy. It's a cool event. I like the idea of putting something strict in. I don't know how easy it's going to be to judge, but it's going to be super fun to watch. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I do agree though. If you do have a good horse that's taking the lead, it is kind of exciting to watch how many rounds they can build ahead of the next person. Because I mean, on the girl's side, it's going to be drastic on the guy's side. If you can lap, um, a round or two on some athletes, that's very, very significant. Um, and, I think that's going to be cool to watch when someone actually passes someone that full lap the first time. That's that's really big. The standard is what's throwing me off on the the strict muscle up. So I've read the rules. I've watched the Instagram clips with Boz in it. I've watched the demo video on the game site, and now I've seen thirty athletes that we'll see at regionals all give their best attempt at the strict muscle up. They all look slightly different. What's going to happen on Thursday when they brief athletes? What are they going to emphasize? I think the biggest thing I see on social media would be that swing forward of the legs. Even though it's not contributing to a very big hip extension, any swing forward of the legs as the athlete starts to pull themselves to the rings, I think is going to be a no rep. But we'll obviously find out the first weekend. I just think that you really should practice right now. Feet stay out in front of you the entire rep. So what happens when somebody is really strong upper body and they pull quickly and that pull leaning that torso back to get up over the rings elevates their legs. Even if they stay straight, the feet come out in front and stay out in front, meeting the standard. If they move up too fast, are they going to take it away because someone's too fast of a puller? Do we have to slow My that down? My guess is they're going to look at the angle between the torso right. and the leg. As long as that angle stays closed, even if it's a very small amount, it's so going to be a wrap. What if it closes more as they're pulling up? I think that's a problem. 
Yeah, I don't think that's a good thing. I think so. The, so the I wouldn't, angle I wouldn't plan on being that being okay. So yeah. the angle of the hip should stay from the moment you pull. Yes, you think that'll be the standard? Yeah, I do. It'll be interesting to say, see what they say on Thursday. I'll also be interested to see whether or not you know I see a lot of athletes get a little bit knee bend as they pull themselves over the ring. Whether that's going to count as well? I don't think it will. I don't think so seen, either. But, but I've seen a lot of it on social media. So it'll be interesting to see. Interesting. Anything else about that workout? Honestly, for me, strict gymnastics is about body awareness. It's not about that much about fitness and it's not that much about strength. It's about understanding how your body moves through space when you don't get to kip. I mean, you think about every time I watch an athlete in here fail a strict muscle up, it's because they slide back in between the rings before they try to turn over. And that's all about that idea of, you know, I mean, the the midline connects to the transverse abdominis to the last Whoa, to transverse the, abdominis to the upper back. Poles, like twist. if you miss one of those connection pieces, if you don't understand what it's like to wind up and use your lats to pull low, then, then it's a, it's a huge problem and you can be super yep. strong and you can be great through four rounds because you're relying on your fitness. But if you don't have that body awareness, it's the same as the strict handstand pushups. If you don't go to the tripod position, just like you've been doing with a barbell for six years straight now, and then get back through and load through these proper positions, you're going to rely on your fitness until you're screwed at some point in the workout. And then I think that's, I think that's the wrong way to approach it. So I, body awareness and knowing what you're doing, you might be a guy that plots along a little bit slower and ends up on top because someone just definitely. doesn't control themselves. See, I did this with Austin, this workout, we ran through this. I mean, I did an abbreviated version for the team stuff before we knew the team events, but I feel like it wasn't much of a breather. You're not going to be breathing heavy throughout this event. Right. Unless you're some one of those athletes who can just push through strict muscle ups, which I don't think we're going to see a lot of athletes that can do that. If you, like Drew said, move well over and over again, you just, tick, 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 tick away. And next thing you know, 20 minutes is up. You've already been done and everyone's just still flailing their way through, you know, last ups and strict handstand pushups. So yeah, a lot of finishers or not a lot of finishers. I think on the guy side, we'll see a decent amount. Like the majority better than 50% or less. No, no, I'd say less. I'd probably say about a third, but a third, third? I'd say. Yeah, but a third, I bet. You'll see a couple of people finish per heat. I just think random people are going to finish. I think it'll be about 10 or less per region for guys. Will Austin Spencer finish it? That's, I'm not willing to answer that question. Fair enough. Actually, he should. Realistically, he should. Whether he does on game day or not. If he learns to load his handstand pushups properly, maybe. Yeah, load right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, Nate, that's going to be exciting. Very exciting. As exciting as the uh, half marathon road at the games. Right. I actually like that with the screen. That was, that was entertaining. Cool. I had to do time. Uh, all right. So that's day one. Day two, all right. event three and four, really fast paced, no room for error. Absolutely um, not. Big sets. We have event three, which is 104 wall balls. Correct. 52 pull-ups. Yep. Uh, one minute rest. Event four is 28 pistols, 15 power cleans, 115 and 80. 80, correct. Yep, and that's all the way to the floor, not the hang. Yeah, that's to the floor. See, when I first heard that, I said, oh, they would never go to the floor with 115. doesn't make sense. They of course did. they are. <laughs> Wrong again. Uh, all right, what do you think about the first part? Uh, wall balls and pull-ups. I mean, they said on the update show, I think that humongous sets of wall balls are going to be necessary, if not unbroken, for the best athletes. The ones that are going to finish going to the games, I feel, are going to be either one set or, you know. We've watched enough like, people do it unbroken now that you better go unbroken if yeah. you're so trying to go to the games. Let me, let me make sure I have the standard clear. Um, to, to be able to go unbroken, you must actually throw your wall ball to the side on your 27th rep and step, because I think it said something about stepping to the left after 26 or the right and then stepping back. So I think you actually change targets every 26 reps so that the crowd can see where you're at. Wow. So could you catch it 
move. That's what I'm asking. I, I figured he would have figured this out by now. No, actually, um, I was, actually wasn't at all aware of this, yeah, so, so that's new I, to me. And maybe I'm wrong. The way I read it is that you have to take a step uh, after every 26. So like uh, when I was going through it with Alexis, who's not a huge fan of doing huge sets of wall balls, um, you know, she used that 26 as her break. As her break, right. So she just used that to transition, and then you make four sets of it. Is that, if you chose to do four sets, is that okay if the break is short enough? Or, on, and let's talk about guy side, because that's kind of where the bigger sets of wall balls usually happen, especially with that 10 foot target. Um, can you take breaks, or do you have to try to do that kind of side shuffle throw and carry on? I mean, if, that significant? if it's a break, it, you better be fast, fast, fast at pull ups because you aren't going to get much time for error on this. I don't, I mean, I feel like the toss and move it to the side is the best strategy on something like well, this. But we see, like, we're fortunate enough to train some of the, the better athletes, especially in the South region, which is coming up. Let's talk about like maybe the bottom half of that region. Is it realistic for the guys that are from 20 to 40th going in there to, to hit 104 or whatever it is, wall balls in a row? Like, is that something that happens all the time now? Depending. Yes, but I don't think they can do the pull-ups after. So okay. who cares if you can hit 104 wall balls? Yeah, so depending on how the targets are set up and how the event actually is run, I mean, I think he's right. If you can do 104 wall balls, can you do any pull-ups after? Or are you doing three sets? Because the best athletes are going to do a big chunk of wall balls. And then go over the pull-up bar. And, and where on. where would you, as an athlete, speaking as an athlete, rather have your break in something like this during the wall ball sets or during the pull-ups? Where would you find that a break would either benefit you more, or you think you would give up less time to the opponent by breaking at a certain point? Me personally, I like to get ahead. I don't like to be behind in a workout, so I would try to do the 104 wall balls in a row, and then hopefully do two sets of pull-ups. That's that would be my strategy. But I'm being a bigger athlete, I'm not the best at pull-ups, so that's how I would attack this workout. I would- I would say that you can plan your rest better earlier on in a workout than you can later. So my thing would be, you know, you're going to see everyone else in your heat. So if you have the plan of drop it and pick it right back up or drop it and three, two, one, pick it back up and you can hold on to that, I think you'll be much better off than trying to break up your pull-ups when who knows what, you know, your you know, blood's going to be pulling up in your arms and you're you know, all that. So, um, I think it's do or die on the pull-ups. I think you go for as big a set as you can. And if it's singles after that, that's, you know, sorry, but uh, it's just so fast. Playing devil's advocate. I would think about it in kind of a, a different way. So if I can go through the 104 wall balls with everybody else, it's roughly the same time. You can't really speed up a wall ball that much, maybe a little bit, but not significantly. If you do that and you're ahead of more than half the field or even you know two-thirds of the field because you chose to go unbroken, others either had to rest or chose to take rest, isn't it quicker to do a big set of pull-ups, come down and jump right back up and just reset your grip than it is to let a wall ball fall or change targets or pick it back up into squat clean and go back up? Yes. I also think it's a psychological advantage too, to be ahead that way. I think sure. that's a huge part of this you know, event every year. You know, the best athletes have some- You can always do more ones. wall balls. Yes. That's Sometimes true. pull-ups at, at that level. Can everyone just keep doing pull-ups though? That's what I think about at this level. Like can everyone can just be like, Oh, I just did yeah, 40 so they first. Like 47 of them. And, <laughs> and so this is the perfect segue into the next event because is it worth holding on? And no matter who you are holding on for 52 pull-ups after all those wall balls, your forearms are going to be pumped. Oh, for sure. You have 60 seconds well, before you go hammer. Ho- hopefully you get a little well, more than that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Finished, so, but. Yeah. Absolutely right. So you have 60 seconds from the cap. Hopefully you have two and a half minutes or so if you're decent at the workout um, to rest before you're going to hit 28 fast pistols and then try to hold on to a light barbell, which is sometimes more annoying on the grip than oh, a heavier sure. barbell um, for 60 power clearance. So kind of tying the two together. Dream, Joe, uh, your dream workout right here. Yeah. You're about to do this. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so just something to that, that's why I brought up the breaking the pull-ups. Maybe obviously it depends athlete to athlete who that helps more, but maybe that uh, resetting the pull-up three times doesn't pump your forearms out as much. Going if it's to the planned and quick, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So we're not giving anyone answers here. We're just kind of putting, musing about it, talking yeah, shit, putting things in your head to, to consider. Shit. So the next workout, take me through it. Uh, so you know we have. That minute break, four rounds of 28 pistols and the 15 power cleans, I think getting through that is just going to be who is smooth on the pistols and who can cycle the barbell the best. I watched Austin go through this one time. The first time, I think he went a little too hot in the first half of this, the uh, event three, so his event four didn't go as hot as he wanted to. But um, I think making sure that you're steady on the pistols, you're not really doing too much extra effort. You're able to sit straight down that heel, stand straight back up, switch sides back and forth. You know, kind of catch your breath during the pistols. Hopefully that your heart rate's come back down some from the other part and then hang on to the barbell as best you can. Even though there's 60 cleans and they're light, it is a pistol workout, right? The person with the fastest pistols wins nine out of 10 times. Yeah, as long as they can hang on to the bars somewhat. I mean, it's not right. even singles, but yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen in the past, even singles, if the bar's not bouncing, can be roughly as fast as touch and go. Yeah, for sure. I, so. I wanted to see it in something like this, how that plays into you know, effect. What do you think? pretty straightforward but yeah i mean it's it's definitely straightforward i would just say that if you have a rough event one and two and you get pushed back into the pack a little bit and your goal is to still to go to the games or to do this or that this is that trap workout where you can fall in line with your heat and not give it your best and then not go to the games by a few points by this amount that you could have pushed if you knew so if you end up with, you know, you struggle, like I said, you struggle a little bit, you have to be able to do this workout against yourself, knowing that someone in the heat above you is going to smash the second place person in your heat. That <laughs> yes. is 100% going to happen. We've seen it with our own athletes. It's tough to watch. They win the heat, but it's just not the same atmosphere as that heat one right. or heat four, whatever it is. So make sure that, you know, with this being a little bit, I don't want to say longer, but just that plotting back and forth back and forth, you might feel like you're going unbroken, but there's a difference between this and then the kind of step to the left, step to the Definitely. right. You're looking around like, wow, I'm crushing these guys. And This is a red line event for sure. You want to test your throttle and something like this because it's going to be over quick and you know you don't get left behind. And then we're really sorry. You still have to do <laughs> event five. <laughs> I mean, three and four is, is 200 points. For They're sure. both relatively short on the high end, right? So the first event three is sub four for the winner and event four is uh, um, five-ish. Five, yeah, right around five. Five-ish, maybe sub-four for the top score, or sub-five sub for the top score in the world. Not sub-four, I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, so yeah, like Drew was saying, if you don't kind of put it all out there and you give away 10 seconds in each workout, you probably gave away, you know, 30, 40 points say, yeah, 30 on the scoreboard, right? So uh, yeah, really important there. Yeah, and then event five, you still have Saturday night, Sure, this is probably your favorite event, right? It suits, suits you best. I'd love to do this and event. It's so fun. You might set the world record if you knew how to run. No, no chance I can set the world record. I can't run. <laughs> All right. No chance. Uh, what do you think? What's most important, first of all? we got three movements, run, GHD, deadlift. What is what is the difference maker in this workout for the majority of athletes? Deadlift. Really? Um, well, people are starting to change my mind on this with the way <laughs> that they're performing the deadlifts. Yeah. But that does not mean that they're going to be able to do that when they get out there after all of the stuff they've done that day. It's, Absolutely to me, right. it's the, it's the exact same thing with the puller. Like 
if you don't stay, I don't know if the camera can see me, but if you don't stay here, if you start to go here and do the squat and come back up and then you have to run and do GHDs, you are screwed. <laughs> so I guess the difference maker for the bottom, I guess I would say 30 is the deadlift, the top 10. I think the difference maker is probably shit, man. This is tough. It's, but that's the thing. Like the, the, the 400s are going to get old fast. Oh, they're awful. And, and also we're testing it with almost everyone, not on a true form. Right. So that changes, that changes the, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I've just worked it out of my brain and it's your weakness is your issue in this workout. That would make sense. Wouldn't I, it? I really don't think that there's like, Oh, this is going to hold this guy back. Cause we saw last year. I mean, some random people are really good at GHD sit-ups yes. down, up, down, up, down. Up. They don't really bother people. Some elite athletes under fatigue struggle with them a lot. So yeah, I mean, I've gone through all three movements and decided that that was like the pinnacle of the workout. And then I've changed my mind about six or seven times. At first it was the deadlift, like you said. And then I started to watch and realized, like I've said three times now, like 405 is the new 315. People are just ripping that. It's, it's right. But almost the high every level athlete, anyway. Yeah. I was going to say almost every athlete that you're talking about is, is going to be in the top 10. Yep. More than likely, or or could be in the top right, ten. Right, yeah, right, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, they definitely are at that fitness level. Yeah, uh, but so I guess that's yeah. I moved on from the deadlift, and then I thought, oh, the run definitely. And then, can people really create that much separation on the run? Yeah, you might be able to get ten seconds on somebody three times, and thirty seconds is significant in a workout. But then, if you're slow as balls big, on the GHD, yeah. it's so easily overcome over forty reps. We watched a lot of athletes doing the uh, the hundred GHD setups last year. Just sit on top yes. of the GHD and just rest and do nothing for so long, you know, over and over again because hundred's a big set. You're doing about half of that three times. I just feel like after that run, the setups are going to be the pace car. Like who can stay moving on the GHD setups over and over again? And and again, speaking from some of the the better athletes that I work with, a lot of them are saying that the GHD is their recovery so that they can push the run. Metabolically, it's not difficult, but physically, I mean, it's super taxing to get off that to feel good enough to go pull the bar seven times and then get right back onto right. a run. So you're going to see people by round two, round three, the, the splits and the rounds will significantly change, especially round three. Even when people try to pick it up and be like, last round push, can you actually push any harder through those three movements? It's pretty tough to do. So It's going to be interesting to say for sure. I'm, I, I think it's going to be the GHD, good luck, GHD but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I would never even attempt this workout with 225. I would die. Terrible. And that's uh, Friday, Saturday, okay? So two events left. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Starting out with a pretty, in my opinion, disappointing chipper. It doesn't have the fire of some of the chippers in the past. seems kind of short. It just seems too short to be the, the regional's chipper to me. It just seems... What's the cap? 16? 16? Yep. I th- yeah. I think... A little short. Well, I mean, they, they always say that, that I don't know that we can call this. It's almost like the, the just smashing you on Saturday is their version this year of whatever they call it, you know, moving day or, moving tough, yeah. you know, tough guy Saturday, like, true. like Sunday. Yes, it is a chipper, <laughs> tough but guy it's Saturday. more like, do you have shoulders? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's more like, can you handle moderate to heavy weight under fatigue and not make a mistake? Because 500 meter row in a 1k bike you just will not get much separation no and even if you try to get separation you'll probably screw yourself by doing so so there isn't a lot to be gained there um the 
handstand walk is 100 feet. Everyone can walk on their hands now, especially 100 feet. And people are going to choose to take breaks during that handstand walk. Probably 50 and 50 or something yeah, like that. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, even three, you know, three sets, whatever, just to make sure that they're not, their shoulders aren't on fire when they go to pick up the first bar. When you get to that first set of 10 overhead squats, what do you do? I feel like the best athletes are going to pick that bar up, get it into a good position, and squat all 10 in a row. But, I mean... <laughs> and that's it, folks. Yeah, I mean, Thanks a lot. The biggest, yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing, I think, from the, the better athletes is going to make sure they sit back and they stay tall on those. Right? They don't let themselves get pitched forward and put more stress on their shoulders that are already fatigued from the handstand walk. The athletes that can sit straight up and straight down aren't going to have too much trouble, I don't think, with those. we got to talk about the overhead squats. Some of the videos I'm seeing, nice, controlled, beautiful, halfway down, and then... Just, let's just go Gumby mode, bounce, and see if we Boing. can shake our way back up through it. This movement at this weight for 90% of the field is slow, but it's, 200, it's 225 squats for 10. That's what it is. That's what your legs, that's the load your legs are being put right. under. It's nothing. It's not a big deal. Right. That's been around in CrossFit for years. It's whether you can actually control the weight. You can stay in it mentally for all 10 reps. It's not like a front squat. It's not like a back squat. It's not like all these other movements where you can kind of just, you know, zombie mode your way through it. If you are controlled and have intent throughout the reps and they're a little bit slower, go unbroken. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But you see people get that weight overhead. They start to move too fast and then they just start shaking and they wonder why they can't control for the rest of it. So how do you feel about the snatch versus like the clean and wide grip jerk push? squat jerk thing that people do what would you to the field i guess the majority of people knowing that no matter how many times we tell somebody to say hey don't kill yourself on the bike don't kill yourself on the handstand walk people are going to kill themselves on the bike and kill themselves in the handstand walk what's the safest way and most efficient way to get through those 10 for the majority of the field what would you say try the snatch or is it no no i would ask i would ask the majority of the field to power clean it put it on their back on the back on their back and then go up overhead um people who are racing trying to go to the crossfit games if you have the power clean to squat jerk and you can control that first rep you're off to the races but if you can do that there's a pretty good chance you're just going to smoke them anyways right um (laughs) so the snatch what's that what about the snatch for rep one a lot of guys want to do it um i would say that the barrier to entry for that's like a 275 to to 300 snatch and if you don't have that then you know don't risk it don't risk it it's not worth it I mean, we saw we saw um, multiple athletes in the overhead squat event that ended regionals in 2014, 2014 yep. um, try to snatch it and miss it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, Joe Carney missed it and he snatches, he's at that yeah. point snatched 285. Right. So at that point in the weekend, how you feel is not going to be the exact same as strolling up to a 225 snatch, you know, after you've warmed up. So I would say the majority of the field, get that bad boy on your back so that you go unbroken. Um, you don't want to have to deal with that twice. And you know, if you've got that squat jerk and you feel really comfortable with it, but again, I mean, yeah, you, would have you had do to that, practice that a lot of it forward. Too. It's a problem. You, you, you should definitely test that in the warm up area. That's not something that you just kind of go at like, Hey, I've never done this before today. We're going to test the clean right. and squat jerk. <laughs> And see if I can roll with it. Yeah, it's something that you've done over and over and over again. You feel confident. You've tested it under fatigue. If you haven't, then it's ridiculous to even think about considering. Um, So kind of fast-forwarding, staying on this chipper, though. After you get through those 10, get to that row. Smart-paced. You don't have to kill yourself in the row. Again, you have 50 burpee box actual jump-overs, not on and over, but actual jump-overs leading into another set of five. 
I feel like that last set of five is going to be obviously dictated by what happened in your first set of 10. You're going to be more fatigued, more tired, but half the set, if the first way you approached it didn't work, you probably shouldn't have tried it again when you're more tired, more beat up <laughs> the second time. Um, anything else you guys want to add about how to approach that second half of the chipper? I still think that the workout would be dictated a lot by how hard people can push on those burpee box jump overs. I feel like that's going to be a big like delineator who goes you know, beyond, finishes you know, top 10 that workout, and who kind of just falls apart because that's a, a mental grind for 50 reps. It's a lot of reps to do. Do you think people can... Just for 50 reps, do you think there'll be differences in over a minute completing that one station between athletes? Yes. Yeah, right. I'd say I roughly agree. a minute would be probably be a good guess on how much span there'll be between all the best and the worst at that event. Yeah, and I, I think a minute is is very fair. I think it could even be more. But Those are going to be a grind for sure. And then the final. Woohoo. So fast, so simple. It's going to hurt so bad. It's just, will it? Yes, I think it will hurt. The be best bad. athletes, will it hurt them? It's really... If your brain is involved, you're fucked. <laughs> you've got true. a brain, you can't do this. I mean, I watched I watched Austin do it in here, and the second he thought about what was happening, what was going on, <laughs> you know, you just have to try mentally to take yourself back to the first time you did, you know, Fran or something like that. And, you know, at, at what point did you let your feelings and, you know, all that into the equation? They don't belong in this workout. They have nothing to do with this workout. Every single person at regionals should be able to do this unbroken. It shouldn't be that bad. But the second you think about it, you can be in fifth place and now you're in eighth. You can't yeah. think during this workout. Who gives a shit what your warm up is? Who gives a shit how you feel? There's no thinking. And you need to run from the bar to the rope. Yes, but you're this, not, is, this isn't this a trot. Is like, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like last year. I mean, just in that sense of like, there's no, there's just, just go. Yeah. And if you fuck up, you're, that's it. That's your weekend. <laughs> if you don't know how to go by now, I, I don't even know how you're there to begin with. So yeah, I think people really know how to point. go though in the right circumstances, the right gym. It's their favorite barbell. They feel good that morning. Sure. You can't, that's, those are not variables in this. I if mean, you want to do well, if you're in the top two heats going into that event, chances are the athletes next to you, um, I mean, you won't have to dictate the pace. Only one person gets to pick the pace, right, in the whole field. You're not going to let nine guys run past you and do that. So I think the event will be exciting, um, even if you're not at that level that you're going to go further than regionals to the games because someone's not going to let someone run away from them. If you get stuck on the rope, I think we'll see actually people fail yes. rope climbs oh, for sure. instead of and trying to pace screwed. it. Well, but that's okay yeah. because if you don't take the chance, you lose anyway, right? right? So yeah. you, you have to put yourself in position you to be out. successful. If you're not going to the games anyway, sell out anyway. Yeah. If you think you're, you're going to go to the games, you're on the right on that bubble, you have to go. Right. right. Someone's going to pass you. And we saw a lot of people get passed and the order get changed big time in every region last year with that final. This will be even crazier, just as tight, even though it's three times as long. No thinking. Individual, anything else? It's going to be I awesome. I think we covered it all. Cool. Spoiled so the team. Quickly, Team Master Sherburn here Team Master. is going to take us through um, an abbreviated version of his points that he thinks will make the biggest difference uh, in each event for the teams. He's on the team here at CrossFit MF. Uh, Drew and I have been to a bunch of team trainings with them. Sherb's kind of been the leader of the team for the last few weeks. And uh, I think he's got some pretty good ideas on, on what's going to be the difference maker in each event. And he'll just kind of give you a uh, an overview and 
we'll I mean, comment on whether we think he's right or wrong. All right, let's okay. go. Do I it. mean, other than obviously picking your order and practicing ahead of time, the things I'm going to go over are just kind of in-event things that I think are good ideas. Um, going with event one, which is going to be the 60 strict handstand push-ups, the 20 bar muscle-ups, and then the cows on both machines, yep. and then the power I cleans. want everyone in the internet to know that I did this, and it was fucking just, oh my God. <laughs> it was delightful to watch. It was so bad. I did not do oh it. Oh my. So the, what, I'm, what I'm thinking on these first, this first event is going to be making sure you stay cl- uh, calm and smooth on both gymnastics movements so you don't get yourself out of breath, because I think this workout is won and loss on both machines, and then the power cleans at the end. I think all the good teams are going to have athletes who can do big chunks of handstand push-ups. are going to make, they'll do the 15, 10, 5, no problem. Bar muscle-ups, maybe two or maybe three sets at the most. Yep. It's going to be who can, you know, outwork the other teams on the machines and then who can rip, rip and rip that barbell the smoothest. So that's kind of how I look at the very first event is who can push the machine. So smooth through gymnastics, set yourself up to be able to empty the tank kind of on the machines and then hold on for dear life with the... The yeah. barbell. Yeah, I think the, the, the barbell, you know, you're already going to be smoked at that point. It's going to be who can cycle that barbell smooth and, you know, transition back and forth as quickly as possible. Cool. Yeah, that's a good, you know, it's going to be a good test to see who can kind of, who can work and who can't. Yeah. All right, moving Do on to. faster <laughs> than Move, the other keep teams. Moving. All right, events two and three, guys and girls snatching. Um, essentially the same thing we just talked about with the individuals. The only real difference is because it's three guys and three girls, if you have an athlete who can't proceed at a certain bar, send them packing and let the other two athletes kind of go on because at the end of the day, it's total weight lifted. Right. So if you have someone failing over and over again and you're losing time off that 10 minute time cap, it's a waste. Yeah. Get them back. So have them run I'm going to give, I got to give you a scenario. So, um, we have an athlete here that we know can get through the 225, but that it would be a stretch for him to hit one at 245. Do we, does he get sent out to do that bar? Is it even worth it to add 245 pounds to the total or does he get the hell out of the way so that we're not going to call you out, Max, on live TV, um, <laughs> so, so that you guys can run down and do that. Have you done the math so out to see is it worth Cody, it for him to Cody hit and one? I ran through this entire the entire snatch ladder in a little over six minutes. It was like six and a half minutes for us to do to clear the ladder. Um, if Max goes with us to that point, we're probably uh, eight minutes, maybe eight and a half minutes. So we, you know, it might be worth it to give him but one does attempt. He, but once he gets through his two twenty five, does he get sent back out for two forty five or no? I think he gets a crack at it and he gets one attempt. And if he doesn't hit it. He goes, back. he goes back and then See Matt, and Cody and I go to work. So okay. that's kind of how I would look at that. But event. even then, is it worth it for him to hit one and take that, up all that time? Would that time? be a PR? Yes. Let's ask it like this. Is it worth somebody who's going for a PR to hit a weight like that? I think so. If it's, if it's that one attempt, because at the end of the day, if Cody and I get through the entire workout, but we have one extra 245 pounds, 245 more pounds that we wouldn't have otherwise. Right. As long as it doesn't take away from us getting the attempt at 265, it's worth it. So it's the balance of giving someone a crack, but making sure they're not pulling away from your time. Exactly. You Got want it. your best athletes who can hit the heaviest weights. They have all the opportunity they can, as long as it doesn't take away from, you know, Someone can get a PR, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the total weight lifted, so that's what's important. Makes sense to me. Events four and five, we have a, a true form run. We have the overhead squat with the pull-up bar hold and then the GHD with the deadlift hold. Um, how I look at this, have each athlete run as hard as possible in the, G, the uh, GHD, the true form, um, because they're going to get two to one rest. So you're going to sprint, hopefully, for close to a minute. I know sprint <laughs> is in what? quotations, but they're going to run hard for a minute. Can't wait to watch you sprint for a minute on a true form. <laughs> yeah, like it. I'm fond of That'd be funny if you just like ate shit right over the front of it, it or something could somehow. Happen. It definitely could that happen. That would be the best. Or like step on the track and head it. Yes. It. So, oh, I hope. Um, 
Make sure you get that live stream going. That's right. Sure. <laughs> Anything can happen with Sherv on the running. So you all run hard. Uh, hopefully you've practiced on a true form. That's going to be key. And teams, teams that get a chance to practice in true form are going to have an advantage there to kind of know how many rotations it's going to take to get through that 1,800 meters. Um, my advice, hopefully your strongest athlete, the one that can overhead squat the best, would be the one that gets the longest rest before you guys transition into the overhead squats. They do a big chunk while the other two are hanging on the pull-up bar. So you're going to plan that out so that the person, basically, if you're splitting it up equally, the person who's going to be the best overhead squats runs first so that the other two finish the run and that person's fresh moving to the bar. As long as the, you know, the true form works out to everyone gets X amount of rotations. Like sure. It could be an odd amount. I, I don't know. We haven't practiced on the true form yet, but okay. that would be my advice. They get a big chunk of overhead squats and hopefully one other athlete can either finish it up or at, you know, at worst, each athlete does one set of overhead squats. And then um, what I'd say is hopefully that turns into your best athlete then going to the GHD, Mm -hmm. getting a big set while the athletes that were just overhead squatting and one of the holding pull bar, hold the bar. Clear clear this up for me. So it's every, was it 25 reps on the GHD? The, the deadlift hold needs to advance on the mat. Is that correct? Yes. So how does that factor into your strategy? Um, I think, you know, Cody did 56, 57 in a row without GHDs? us, without us, yes, GHDs without us setting the bar down. I think it does play into effect because you have that release of tension. So he would not have been allowed to do that in on the floor, right? Cause the no, bar would have, have had to move forward and then he could keep going. Roll it forward it. and re go. So, um, looking at that way, you know, at most, maybe he gets two attempts, like the person picking up the bar, he gets two attempts to do GHDs while we hold the bar. Um, you know, the first hold lasted somewhere between 90 seconds and two minutes, but it didn't hang anywhere near there after that. So would it be easier um, to do it the way we just described? So if Cody went on for 25 and you're the, the best holder of the bar, so you're you're going to do the back to back duty on the barbell, right? Mm-hmm. As you switch athletes, Cody does 25. You guys drop, roll, quickly reset, deadlift again. He continues with just another 25 and then he gets off as the bar is being transitioned. Again. I think as long is that as how you would. I mean, that's how I would plan it, too, because Cody loves GHG setups right. and he does them all the time. So he's something he's pretty you know proficient at as long as the jc stay fast they don't turn into the lay yes. back and pause and then throw yourself back over and over again i think we'll be in good shape but um yes so okay. my strategy would let him go twice and then hopefully max does a set and i do a set to finish it out so if you have someone who's particularly strong with a ghd it's not a terrible strategy in your opinion to have them do back-to-back sets of 25 have the strongest holder do the double duty on the bar and then have the, the best holder do the last set of GHDs. That's how we practice it here. Yes. Makes yeah, sense so I to think me. that, you know, that as long as it stays fast and no one's like dying holding the bar and we're not, you know, having to have a communication issue, you're already ironed that out beforehand. You should be in good shape. Um, event six, event six, some more deadlifts and uh, burpees, um, making sure that your athletes line up, you know, height wise, arm length wise is, is important because we had, I was going to uh, say arm length is huge. So many yeah. people think it's like, Oh, this person's tall and this person's not right. sometimes tall people have short arms. We watched Cody and Caroline go through this and Cody's, you know, six one and Caroline's like five one. So Cody's kind of hunched over. So we had to configure our, you know, who's lined up with who there. Right. And, um, making sure that lines up is definitely important so that you are getting the top of the deadlift at the same time. One athlete's not hunched over and one's overextending. And hopefully back. teams have figured this out yeah, already. It's hope. something hopefully they figured out. The biggest thing we saw in this event have practice it is making sure that your team figures out a cadence for the burpees. Okay. We got all over the place when we first tried this, trying to figure out uh, kind of a routine. Abby came up with like a line dance version of the burpee to get everybody in the sink. And it works pretty well now in terms of laying down, getting up, jumping over the bar, turning around. And Do repeating. you guys use voice commands or is it just because you all know each other's rhythm now that you go? We've been practicing the, the rhythm so we can do it without talking. So if it's loud out there, you can, you know, we're not struggling to hear someone else yep. and it's worked really well so far. So I think finding a cadence that works for your team. Do you have a safe word? 
No, no safe words. Daddy, you just gotta no. go. No, so just slap the press. Slow down. No. So um, yeah, the cadence is important. I think a lot of time can be lost on having to step back over the bar, jump over it again, step back over the bar, make sure you're in cadence. So. A few questions that we got on this, and I guess we can hit them really quick. How do you choose which athletes go in which um, version of the workout? Yeah, so I think the strongest athletes go first because they're gonna have to handle the biggest chunks of deadlifts, even though they're advancing the bar every 15 and then it's 27 and 18, and it's 21, 15, 9. I think your strongest deadlifter goes first because they can pull that bar over and over again. But if the size differences are so big, you don't necessarily get to choose that. Not necessarily, but hopefully, we're hoping that, you know, you know, in a perfect world, it all lines up. But you're oh, right. Okay. You're right. If someone's drastically different, you'll have to figure out what combination works best. It's more, to me, in my opinion, and I haven't done these, so you can tell me I'm wrong, it's more a deadlift endurance piece than a deadlift strength thing, especially with the first set because you're not getting a break in 45 deadlifts. They're relatively heavy. They're not crazy heavy. They don't feel that the, heavy. When you split the weight up in half, they're not heavy. No. They're, they're moderate deadlifts for each athlete, just a lot of weight on one bar. So it's more about can you do 45 reps without needing that steady break that everyone else will get on the burpees later on, which will kind of let the posterior chain relax and then, well, to a degree, and then back on the, the bar. Yeah, we found Is the that deadlifts, right you know, we found the deadlifts okay. weren't super challenging as long as the athletes were lined up. The athletes, all the other athletes gotcha. other than Cody and Caroline had no, literally no problem doing the deadlifts. It seemed like they all did either one or two sets on every single one and it was able to go fast. It was the one pair that wasn't matched up evenly that struggled. And so. they had the 45. So by the end, it's going to yes. look like a struggle for most people. Oh, yeah. And that's a good note for her. You know, we talked about this in the individuals, whether you're a puller or not. Caroline has the strongest deadlift on the team, but it's not one rep. No, no, it's, it's, 45. It's, it's 45 reps. So you might have to find someone that has a mechanical advantage that can handle the reps instead of, oh, I pull one rep. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, maybe a pair of a sh- like a short duo, guy-girl duo, if they have to do that many. I mean, usually they're not the best pullers, but if it's the shorter range of motion, they get through it quicker, especially rolling the Barbie 15. Maybe that helps. And they can maybe. do the burpees maybe faster without that break in between. Exactly. Push, so the burpees, so. different things to think about. Seven and eight. Seven and eight, we have the... 100 power snatches, the 50 synchronized toes to bar, and then the handstand walk relay where one athlete goes, the next one goes, then one goes after that, and you go back. Um, Power snatches, biggest thing I see is that the athlete makes sure they snap underneath the bar and don't get into pressing the barbell, the snatch bar overhead. Um, I think it's going to be important that you can cycle the barbell for something like this with so many reps. And because you're going to be getting a nice, decent break in between, you're going to be doing a set, then resting while two other people go, cycling the barbell can be touch and go for this for sure, as opposed mm-hmm. to singles as you would if you were an individual. Um, but snapping underneath it and standing up is going to be much more, uh, I guess, ease on the shoulders as opposed to pressing it out over again, then trying to hang from the pull-up bar and your toes to bar, and then a handstand walk. So getting underneath the bar is going to be important. Um, some of the stuff just goes to having practice, but making sure that your athletes know the cadence on the toes to bar. They know if they start with their feet out in front or behind, so they go right up into that first one so there are no missed reps. Um, Hopefully you have one athlete that's strong with toes to bar. Like I think Cody did all of the toes to bar with the girls. Then girls just kind of went back and forth. I don't think it's realistic for every team to have, have one of those Cody on your team. Yeah. 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 That's get, the episode. Get, get Cody on your team. You'll be all set. Um, but yeah, I think just making sure your cadence lines up is important. And then with the handstand walk, we found that, you know, having watched regionals the last two years and they have the 10, ten foot stripes, you know, every 10 feet or so, it's better to kick down and kick back up than right. just to fight into the middle one. Oh, I fell down. And then have to rewalk. You can still distance. heave your way past the line, right? That's, yeah. that's yes. the trick. So you use that momentum of toes behind. And as you lean forward, those feet or those hands land and that forward momentum carries you halfway through the next but block. Your feet anyway. have to make, do your feet have to make it over or just your hands? Just your hands. 
So you could go 45, you could go burning at 45 degrees and you year. get your hand However, and fall down. they always brief things differently right. every year. But yeah. yeah, last year, you're absolutely right. They allowed that in the regions I far. went to. No, it's not. And uh, yeah, so if they allow that, you can, even if you're bad at handstand walks, you can just do those and chunks. And you can be on like again. a gym fail Instagram clip. <laughs> Whatever it takes. No rep, no rep. Yeah, so I think just making sure you kick down, kick back up as needed is important. We watched this, you know, we ran through this event and it was, if you can't, can't make it, come down, shake it up, kick back right back up rather than try to fight and kind of suspend yourself in space and keep no going. No wasted energy. Yeah. And then event nine, we have uh, essentially the same final workout as the individuals, but on a team of six. Sort of plays itself out, right? Because yeah. each team is going to have to know where each athlete goes. I mean, they're going to have to test that with the females on a team, typically on the, the average team, not like a super team, but an average team, there's going to be one, maybe two girls that have legless and that have a standout ability to do legless. It's pretty rare still in the sport uh, to have them be very proficient in it. So that might be an easy choice for you. Guys, it's, I mean, most guys can handle all three versions and whoever your best at legless is, that's who you'd put on, right? Yeah, actually, I mean, Cody and Max are very similar in terms of legless. Cody's a little faster with legs, legged rope climbs, so that's the reason why we flip flop them. But yep. honestly, those guys could interchange, you know, between each other. And I'm the slowest at rope climbs, so I go in the middle. So <laughs> there you go. That's sorted out. So I mean, and realistically, again, hopefully teams went through this and made adjustments as needed. There isn't any trick to this. It's a it's a like a conga line relay. Or it's a relay, right? It's yeah, it's a relay, one so, after another. Hopefully, you, you set yourself minutes. up. To yeah, complete minutes. six versions of it. Yep. So hopefully you set yourself up so that your you know your practice is enough that you know which girl goes where, which guy goes where, and that you give you know the people who are doing legless maybe a little more time than people who aren't doing legless. Especially when it comes to the females, like you said, most of the females are getting better at legless, but it's still not the same like standard movement it is for a lot of the guys. So right. making sure they get a little extra time so that everyone else can push their piece of it is going to be important. In the individual version, Drew was talking about, you don't really have a choice. You have to go for it. Is that the same in the, the team version, given that there's 25 minutes and that you have six variables instead of one to see what that best score is? Does any member of the team pace, or do they have to decide based on their ability or inability to get it done? Like How, how do you do Hopefully, that? Hopefully, with the run-through, everyone has it kind of a gauge for where their throttle is in terms of, do I need a red line here or should I back off so I can do the next round of rope climbs? Um, having run through it, I think for someone like myself, I try to red line through this. I try to go as fast as possible because the thrusters are an afterthought. 2159 at 95 is- For most, yeah. For, for most regional level athletes is, is over with. You've done that millions of times, right. not a big deal. It's uh, stay by the rope, get back up the rope over and over again. And if you're doing the legless version, hopefully you've practiced enough and you've got enough underneath your belt so that you- are efficient getting up and down that rope so you don't stand there staring at it because I feel like the best teams are going to be separated by their girl, their girls able to get up and down that rope over and over again six times fast. That's going to be the determining factor. Ted's staring at us to uh, wrap up. So no I problem, will, Ted. You got I, it. I will say one thing about the teams, guys, is what's really cool about the teams, and, and you get to make this choice almost, is that there are six variables. It's not just one person. So the more you practice the stuff that we've talked about, the more obvious stuff you can beat teams that are better than you, that are more fit than you, that are more prepared from a strength and stamina standpoint. Yep. You can win because you practice, because you have the right leaders out on the floor with the right people, the right combinations. So, so be really meticulous with practicing this stuff because this can get you to your goal number, whether that's 19th or first or whatever it is. You can surpass teams with fitter athletes than you. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. I agree. It's all about that practice. You guys good? Yeah. Good to go. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Peace. See you guys soon.